Alright, well good morning everyone. Welcome again to the Firehouse. Thanks for joining us. My name is Brad, I'm one of the pastors here and we are excited to have you today. Celebrate Palm Sunday. Um, It's exciting to get kind of into the Palm Sunday and Easter season. Spring's here. It's getting nice out. That's good. A little little update from our world. We've, uh, my wife Sarah and I have been in the process of house hunting and went and yes it's very exciting it can be it can be a little stressful I sent Sarah out to a lot of houses some in better shape than others you start to learn that there's a discrepancy between the internet ad and what it looks like inside I think our realtor was very nice but sometimes wouldn't set foot as far in as Sarah would go but anyway we've gone through that process and I think God's led us to one we're currently under contract with kind of going through the uh we call it. We did an inspection and we're trying to get some things fixed on it, a little back and forth, but it's exciting. It looks like God's leading us there. So some new things going on in our world. Um, we're excited to think about this whole Easter process. It's exciting just to to remember to remember Christ. I think I think for me the whole Easter season can be kind of my favorite of the year. I like that it remembers Christ. I think Christmas is good too, but I don't know about you guys, but it gets so bananas the two weeks around Christmas that sometimes I'm more distracted than I could be or would want to be or something. And it seems like Easter is a little, a little more simple, a little less to, to get together so I can focus on remembering Christ through it all. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to look at some scripture on Palm Sunday today and just remember what, what that was about, why we're celebrating it, and we'll be on our way. So why don't we, we pray and... We'll look at the Word. God, we thank You for this morning. God, we, uh, we just thank You. Uh, you've given us this church family. God, we thank You. Um, just even as remember Palm Sunday, we just thank You that You did walk on this earth as a man and specifically just to fulfill the role of the Messiah, the one that would um, die for the sin of the world. Uh, God, that you, you did that, that You humbled Yourself for us. God, I pray You'd speak to our hearts this morning. Help us take away things from the story that um, wasn't just about prophecy, wasn't just about then. My God, that we can apply to our hearts today, that we can obey you. And now we want to have a fresh relationship with you where we're um, obedient uh, to you. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to look through Matthew 21 there. I didn't write down a page number, but if you want to open up your house Bible. 977. Nine seventy-seven, Matthew twenty-one, and we'll just read through it here, and then jump back in on a few thoughts. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and and at once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me." If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send you them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did, just as Jesus had instructed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that were ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. All right. So, this is Jesus... Um, in one sense fulfilling some prophecy as he enters into town and we'll talk through a little of that Um, the first thing I'm encouraged with when I read this story to me if you don't put any context in it it's kind of a funny story Jesus gets on a donkey and is riding into town it doesn't sound sound that exciting I uh, in one sense um, and and I even I wonder what the disciples were thinking during it I think uh, you know, the first thing I noticed when reading this story is that you know, at the start of it, God asked his disciples to go into this town ahead of him and find a donkey and bring it back. And it seems pretty common. I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but a donkey is a pretty, pretty obnoxious, smelly animal. So I don't know how excited they were to go get a donkey and be a part of that. Um, first thing I just kind of noticed reading this is I was encouraged by just their response to Jesus. In uh, verse 6, it says the disciples went and did just it says went and did as Jesus had instructed them and I was encouraged in the middle of that that um, that Jesus asked them to go do something pretty odd and the disciples went and did it um, the New American translates this verse and says they went and did just as Jesus had asked them as exactly as he commanded is what it's saying and I appreciated that obedience. Um, in in the Gospel of John, when it um, does a recount of this same scenario, it even indicates that in the middle of this whole thing, the disciples didn't even really know what was going on. There was some prophecy that happens ahead, but they didn't really understand it. They didn't know why Jesus was riding the town, why the donkey. But I was encouraged that they, they had a heart of simple obedience. And I was thinking... Um, you know, the first thing, just kind of point from that, is we need to take that example. We must have a simple obedience to God. I think we can get we can get to a point where we like to analyze what God's commands are. We like to run it through a filter and then decide whether or not it sounds good to us and whether we want to obey, whether that would be what our plan would be like. But I appreciated their just quick obedience so they did it just as he had commanded them. And... You know, I thought about it a few times in my own life that God's asked me to do things that might have been a little more like going and grabbing a donkey. I didn't understand it. It wasn't what my plan for my life would have been. I was thinking um, after my freshman year of college, there was a number of people 
uh, my Bible study at church that we're going to do a summer program at the YMCA up in Estes Park there where uh, they'd stay and, and work at the conference center cleaning rooms and uh, just spend the summer there and some speakers, other pastors in the, our churches would come out and speak to them and I really wanted to go and in the midst of that process it became very clear that uh, my relationship with my family was pretty strained. I had left things for college, not on good terms with my family. And there was a part of that since I was in college that you had to have a, a form that your parents signed. And um, I went and talked to, about this program with my mother, and she was very not excited. And there was obviously a lot of strain there. In the midst of it, God called me maybe to go stay with her for the summer and, and restore a relationship there. Um, and I was pretty crusty on the whole thing. I wanted to go to Estes Park. It's in the mountains. It's nice. You can go hiking every morning before, before you get to work. I was pretty excited about that. And eventually just kind of I submitted to God and went and lived in Boulder and kind of restored a relationship with my family that summer. And it was, it was something kind of like this. I didn't really understand why I was doing it. My plan for my life was to go to Estes, I thought. And in the midst of that, God really restored a relationship with my family and did a lot of work even in, you know, the point where my mother will like come to me or come with me to church and, and some stuff like that really kind of restored some relationship that was strained from uh, probably me being a lot of sin in high school I'm pretty proud and I think it was good and had, God had a good plan of even you know longer term just blessing and reaching out to my family beyond what I saw I thought it was a scenario where just doing what God asked me to simply led to a lot more fruit than maybe what my own plan would have been so I think we can just take that heart of, of just obeying what God asks us to do. Um, the next part here we're going to talk about, uh, bring a verse up here, we'll read through. It talks about just how that crowd responds to him there. And this has some significance just as even as fulfilling prophecy and stuff like that. And this is kind of the base of why we call it Palm Sunday. Uh, it just talks about the crowd. Verse 8 and 9 says, Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And this has some significance. I can read it the first time and think, I don't know why they were spreading palm branches. It seems a little random. But there was some significance of why they were doing this. Um, maybe even beyond what they understood that was a part of God's plan um, you know some some people relate this that it may have been even kind of celebrating a feast that the Jewish people did called the Feast of Booths that would celebrate um, the time that the Israelites lived in the desert and what they would do they were commanded to do this in Leviticus there's this feast what they would do is they'd actually go stay in tents for seven days so they would go out of any kind of home they had and set up these little sheltered tents um, to remember their time in the desert when they lived in tents and they were traveling. And they would sing songs that said uh, a word like Hosanna, like Hoshana. They would sing these songs, and that word just means save us. They were talking about the time that God saved them. And when they waved palm branches, it meant... It symbolized being taken into the promised land where it wasn't the desert and that they had all these branches and leafy things. And, and there's a symbolism that God had saved them and brought them from those tents to the palm branches. And it was a time that they could physically go live in the tents and it helped them remember just what they had, what God had brought them to. And so 
some scholars can think different things, but it seems like this might have related to that that little festival and kind of related to the Jews a little bit and even thinking through that time. And, and the word Hosanna also came to represent not only how Jesus had saved them in the desert going to the promised land, but also would look forward to a Messiah that would come and would redeem the people of Israel. And I think a lot of people may have been waiting for someone that would come be someone that would save them in a military sense that would help them defeat their enemies around them someone that had a true understanding that it was really someone that would save them from their sins in an eternal sense that would create a new kingdom in heaven but anyway I was thinking about you know this time and I think it just helped them remember it you know something I thought of in my own life even just remembering where God had brought you um, I went to Costa Rica last year my wife Sarah we had our honeymoon there and we stayed at this this beach house for the last couple of days and we had to drive way out to the west coast and we had this really remote kind of house that was on a beach and it was wonderful to be so secluded but I remember there wasn't a lot of food around there to get and so we'd have to drive back out to get food and literally to get to somewhere the size of a 7-Eleven to buy breakfast we had to drive probably about an hour and a half to get to somewhere with that level of food service so we would drive out and try to buy stuff we could eat for breakfast, a little bit of juice. They had some like uh, bagged pastries like you would find in a 7-Eleven. So we'd load up on this stuff as we could and, and bring it back to the house so we could eat it in the morning. And then usually, usually we'd drive out for dinner at night, eat out, and then try to buy all this stuff somewhere. And it was a little tough to get food. And I remember when we came back to town, uh, our house is four blocks from a Safeway. And I remember when we came back, we walked down the street and went to Safeway, and we were like, it's a mecca of all food. We can buy anything we want. They have fresh fruit and meat. And, and it was wonderful. And I think in that time, we became, we became so thankful to see what, such easy access to that. And I can... I can sometimes get excited about one grocery store or another or hope it wasn't a Safeway and it was something else right there in my heart. And I think, wow, that made me excited that there's a Safeway and I have easy access to food right there. I think some ways I was thinking about this feast being similar to that, that they live in tents and be thankful that, wow, what I have is pretty great. What God's brought us to, instead of wandering around in the desert and wondering where food and water is going to come from, is pretty great. And... And I think in the midst of that, I was thinking, I, I like that symbolism of, of just remembering Jesus like that. And, you know, the point I put here, just I've been even thinking about, is remembering what God has saved you from in the desert and praise Him. I think God's just giving me a spirit to, just like this was in one way remembering how God had saved them in the desert, I just thought about my own life. Um, you know, before I was following Christ, I was in a place where I was following after my own desires. I was, I don't know what I was trying to do, get, get a girlfriend or get money or finish school. And, but in the midst of that, it felt like a desert inside me. I often felt alone. I felt like what I was going after wasn't very important. I kind of wanted to finish school, but I wasn't very into it. I didn't, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of purpose in it. I felt really alone where I was. In the midst of that, I felt... You know, God brought me to a place of just when I walked into a relationship with Him of having just an abundance of my relationship with Christ and having a family He set me in and a family of believers and, and really just uh, give me a purpose in life of following Him, of, of obeying Him, of walking with Him. And I just thought in my own life that's a way that I could remember that truly I could praise and say, Hosanna, 
You know, it's a word that it means save us, but they would also praise that it's a God that does save us. It's a God that did in the desert. They were looking ahead um, to the Messiah. And I think that's something we can just praise God with as we think of this, is what God did save us from in the middle of that. Now, it's kind of funny to look at the midst of them. I think even as I look at that that phrase, um, even the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, it's a, it was a prophecy or kind of a psalm in, in Psalm 118 that specifically talked about the Messiah that would come. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they call him um, the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David was another term specifically reserved for the Messiah that would be in the lineage of David. In the midst of that, it seems like, wow, the crowd's really getting it. They're coming to God. They're singing Hosanna. This is the coming Messiah. It seems like everything's going on. And they're actually, you know, the crowds are often against Jesus. It seems like they've got it on this one, right? And I turn around and look uh, in verse, verse 10. It says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Verse 11 says, The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Immediately after it looked like they got it, it's the coming Messiah, they get asked, Why are you singing? What's, what's going on? Who is this? And they say, Oh, it's the prophet. You know, <laughs> We just got done singing that this was the coming Messiah. So in the midst of it, it looks like they might not have completely understood it. Um, even later, in, in verse Uh, at the end of verse 15 near the end it says the children were shouting in the temple area Hosanna to the son of David and I guess uh, backing up at the start it says the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area Hosanna to the son of David they were indignant did you hear what these children are saying they asked yes replied Jesus have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise so it seems like even the children were getting this right and singing the correct praise to God that He was the coming Messiah. And the religious leaders missed it too. And they were indignant that the children were saying the wrong thing. The religious leaders obviously understood what, uh, what the children were saying and, and what, they were, um, what they were claiming He was, that they were praising Him as the Messiah. And they asked, them to re- they asked Jesus to rebuke them. And they were indignant. Um, let me realize they could be right in the midst of a crowd that's saying the right thing, that's praising the right thing, and they completely miss why the singing was happening, what the event symbolized. Um, I thought about, um, you know, we need to be like people that are in the midst of that crowd and catch the right heart, not just being in the crowd. You know, I wrote the point here is that we need to have a right heart towards God. We can't hide in the crowd. It's not enough that the crowd is singing the right thing, that um, the right thing is being ascribed to God, but we need to get it personally. You know, I thought of an example in my life. Um, there was a time when I was in high school that I went, I went to church. I would go every Sunday. I liked going to church. But my relationship, there was something missing with God. I would go every week, and I learned when to stand up, I learned when to sit down, I learned when to sing, what the words were to the songs, what the pastor would say. I kind of got the flow of it. I knew how to look like I knew what I was doing there. But I'd go into my week, and I was in an immoral relationship, and I was pretty close to being an alcoholic. I was drinking a lot. 
My life was not honoring to God. And somewhere along the way, I missed it. I missed that there was a relationship that God wanted me to walk in with Him. But I knew how to look right in the crowd. And I think sometimes that's how we can be in all places, even now, that we know how to go to church, we know how to to sing and to look when uh, Jeremy's up here leading worship, but we might miss it. You know, I was thinking another example, kind of a funnier one. Um, Through the magic of videotape, I still had a memory of this, but when I was in, I think, the fifth grade, it was the end of elementary school, and we did a musical. It was called Cosmic Pinball, about a magical pinball machine that would take you through space. Real exciting. But I was not the most musically talented person, or... um, there was some like hand motions and dancing involved. That's not exactly my specialty. My brother-in-law Michael, that's like his life is doing all that stuff, and he's really good. That wasn't me. I was not good. At one point, we actually had a videotape of this, and my little brother put it on four or five years ago to get to relive this musical. And we were looking through it, and there was one point where they had us on these rounded risers around the back, and there was one point where we were doing all these hand motions and singing. And I didn't really get it or learn them very well. And so what I was doing was looking across and just kind of mimicking what the people are doing. But the problem with that is if you're looking across, is that it's kind of like a mirror, and I was doing the opposite. So all the kids were going one way, and I was looking across, and I was doing the opposite. And it looked right to me because I thought I was doing the right things. I was looking across and doing the same thing as the other kids. But I stood out because it was actually the exact opposite in the wrong direction. And so my brothers had a good laugh at my expense on that one that I, uh, I don't get in a lot of musicals these days and there's probably a good reason but I think sometimes we can be like that even in our relationship with God we know how to go to church we know how to look like we're standing in but to God we're probably just like that and doing our hand motions the wrong way and, and it probably looks funny to him because our heart isn't right with God um, we need to have a right heart with him that's given to him um, You know, one example I thought of, I, maybe it kind of relates because we talked about how that there's some symbolism between uh, just being taken through the desert into the promised land. I was reading in, in the Bible this week. I read through the one-year Bible, and we're in Deuteronomy, so I'm going to make that relate a little bit. But it's talking about, in Deuteronomy, a time when the people were getting close to walking into the promised land at the end of the time in their desert. And, and Moses is kind of giving them um, just some last instructions, some last thoughts before they go into the land. And part of the reason he was doing this was because um, in the midst of of being in the desert at a time, Moses was the leader of the people and he was bringing them through. And at one point he just got so fed up with the people, he was in sin and he kind of did what God didn't ask him to and he responded in a wrong way when he was um, just giving them water at one point. And God had judged him and said, you know, because of your sin, you're never going to walk into that land. And and at one point, as they get closer to the land, Moses is pleading with God and says, you know, he's been walking with them through the desert all this time and they're about to get there and he pleads with him to let him into the land. And it says God became angry with him because of his pleading and said that he could just see it, but he wouldn't walk into it. And so Deuteronomy, a lot of it is just him giving instructions to the people, his last thoughts to them before they walk in the land. And um, if you want to turn to page 175 real quick, 
This is something God was just speaking to me on this week that I thought kind of related. It's in Deuteronomy 4, if you have your own Bible, but it's 175 in the House Bible here. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 21 here. This is Moses talking. He said, The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God has given you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. But you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And I was thinking about this passage, and um, I was just really humbled looking at this, thinking, you know, this is Moses talking. If you know some of Moses' story, he's a man, he's actually the one that wrote down the Ten Commandments and heard from God. And he would go up in the mist in Mount Sinai. And hear God's voice speak to him. And God went by him and he saw his back. I think he had a relationship with God and a closeness that, um, and just physically seeing him face to face, that a lot of people would dream of or would want. But even for Moses, there was a way where God judged his sin. And um, God had promised his people that he was going to take them from Israel uh, and take them from uh, Egypt and through the desert and bring them to a promised land. Their land flowing with milk and honey, a land of uh, vegetation again that they could they could have food and not be in the desert and of water. And God was going to carry that out. And God is a God that follows through on His promises. And He says He swore that He would take them into the good land, and He followed through on that. But in the midst of that, even for Moses, when he sinned, God took him out of the equation. God was going to answer his prayer but Moses wasn't going to be a part of that to walk over the Jordan and go into the land and he lets him see it and, and I think of this as just a charge a grandfather might give to his grandson or a father to his son just the last thing to tell him and um, you know sometimes I think, I think especially when we're younger we can look up to our elders and think they don't know what they're talking about they're older things were different 50 years ago we can get proud and I just I just looked at his instruction here and was very humbled. I think he's very humbled saying this. He tells them to keep following God's instruction. The next chapter of Deuteronomy he actually reviews the Ten Commandments, he reviews a lot of the instructions they need to follow. Um, and this is the, this verse at the end, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. You know, one of the verses we hold on to at the firehouse is that God is a consuming fire. The God we follow is a consuming fire. And I was just humbled looking at this, saying Moses is saying this because God's judging his sin. He's a jealous God for our hearts. And he's passing this on to the people to make sure that they follow him closely because he knew very well that God's a God that judges and carries that out. And I was just personally humbled thinking... You know, there's a lot of things that God's promised to His people, uh, that He's coming back, that He's bringing the church to heaven. Um, I think there's a lot of things we're trusting Him for as a church, 
to get a new building, to multiply more churches, to add more pastors someday, to just see more people come to Christ and, and to know Him. And I, I believe there's a lot of things that, that God's going to carry out in that and answer His promises. But I was personally humbled thinking, God hasn't promised that I'll be a part of that. God hasn't promised any of us to be a part of that. If we fall into sin, if we do things that don't honor Him, you know, we need to be humble to stay a part of His plan and, and in His team. You know, if God would judge Moses, and that was Moses that saw God face to face and not let, her, let him enter the promised land, I think I'm a lot less in the significance of the Bible than Moses, I can say that. And uh, I was just humbled to, to walk closely with Him and, it, and to have a right heart. You know, even in the midst of the crowd, like we talked about earlier, I think there was people that had a right heart and that God would save. There was a few disciples in there that had a right heart towards God and did recognize Him as the Messiah. And there was a lot of people that missed it. And there was a lot of people that were in a crowd just days later. Instead of shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, just days later. And I was just thinking even in, as we go through the Easter season, we, we each need to have a right view of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, and have a heart that is right with him. You know, we can't just be in the crowd. We can't just know how to go to church and, and shout the right things. But we need to personally have a right heart towards God. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into what that looks like today. But you know, a little sneak preview of next week. You know, part of what Rich is going to talk about next week is just in the midst of celebrating Jesus and, and how He rose from the dead and what we're celebrating Easter morning. He's also going to share how we can have a right heart towards God. How in the midst of that, we don't just celebrate and join in with this crowd, but that we have a good heart, we have one that's reconciled with Him, and we're ones that, in, in a spiritual sense of, of going to heaven, we're ones that will cross over the Jordan with, with God and not be left just seeing it or just seeing other people go. I don't think that's, that's not God's heart. He says He wishes that no one would perish. So, anyway, I encourage you to, to come back next week and... And join us as we look through that. Excited to celebrate Easter with you. Uh, as another reminder, we are doing the family portraits, so bring, so bring your family. Get dressed up a little. It's good to. I've done some portraits before through the years where I didn't look very good in the portrait, and I think maybe I should have dressed up that day. But, <laughs> but bring whoever with you. Uh, it'll be it'll be on the firehouse. So get some free prints from it. And we'd love for you to join us. But why don't we pray and we'll be on our way this morning. God, we do thank you for today. Yeah, we thank you. And God, we praise you. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We praise you that you are the coming Messiah. I don't know everyone understood it at that. I don't think you got your right honor there. But God, help help us give you the right honor in our hearts that you are the Messiah, that you are worthy of our praise. Um, we just praise you. And I pray that you would help us have right hearts towards you, that we wouldn't be lost in the crowd, that we wouldn't just know what to do and when to stand up and sing, but God, that we would have a heart that's given over to you. Uh, and I pray that we'd be people that would just obey you. God, help us help us not process it all and think about what we want to obey, but just obey, even when it's something like picking up a donkey. God, help us be men and women that um, just read your word and do it, and hear your voice and do it. Um, God, I pray that we'd be very simple in that sense. Uh, just help us just honor you through this Easter season coming up in the next week. 
and just praise you and remember you in our hearts as, as the Christ that did rise from the dead. Amen. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we will catch you next week for Easter.